Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes, or DM it to me on social media. This particular episode is brought to you by our patron, Julian Barr, and we have a very special guest. I'm very excited. Um, you may know her from being the original co-host of my original podcast, Scream 101. If you didn't listen, you know, that's fine, but th- it's still there. You can find it. Um, it's Shan Chalakian. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. It, it's been a while since we've gotten a chance to talk about dumb horror shit, so I'm, I'm very excited to hear your take on this. Oh, and I'm so excited to provide it. Um, okay, so this uh, episode that we're covering, Season 1, Episode 3, Killer Instinct, it originally aired on October 23rd, 1988. Here's what you could have watched instead that weekend if you didn't stay home. Um, you could have seen Mystic Pizza with Julia Roberts. Um, or Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which is one of the better ones. Yeah, it's so. I'm so glad that I got to uh, watch this episode that came out in October, because as I was also looking at what would have been out at the time, I definitely saw Mystic Pizza, because that probably would have been my choice, um, or Halloween 4. But it also had other, other like Moonwalker, which is like the Michael... Uh, Michael Jackson film mm-hmm. was out in theaters at the time and and so many weird things. Um, although whether or not I would I would actually not watch this episode to go see those movies, that's up for discussion. Yeah, I mean you could have done like a triple feature too. So, you know That's true. The world is your oyster. It was a Sunday night, you could do whatever. <laughs> it's true. Um, okay, so this episode was written by Alan B. Yuri, um, who wrote something called The Jigsaw Murders, and that's it. Um, but the director has a much longer pedigree this was directed by mick garris who is very well known um kind of lots of tv horror and horror sequels um he did a lot of masters of horror the tv show he did psycho 4 critters 2 the miniseries of the shining in the stand he also wrote the fly 2 and hocus pocus no way really yeah Mm -hmm. that is a gem yeah, um, no, he has been around the block. He actually also had, he was he was on, he hosted one of the kind of like sister podcasts on the Fangoria Podcast Network before that ended called Postmortem with Mick Garris. He's, he's a really nice guy. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so check that out wherever it shows up again, because it'll, it'll come back. <laughs> anyway, so the, the cast in this episode is, uh, there's some interesting people. Let's start with you know what? I'm not going to rank people in order of interestingness, so let's just start in alphabetical order. Okay. Um, we have Yvette Nipar, who plays uh, Nikki, I think, the kind of mean girl. Um, she was the lead in a 1994 RoboCop TV series that I did not know existed. What? <laughs> or, There's a RoboCop TV series? Yes. And I, I mean the non-RoboCop lead, but yes. Sure, sure. It was short-lived. It was only in 1994, but it had... A certain amount of episodes that was shocking to me. Wait, let me pull that up again. 1994 is a great year. I gotta yeah. say. It was the year I came into the world. Me as well. Funny yeah, how that I, I know. I just wanted to take that from you. That was mean of me. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, okay, so there were 22 episodes of this RoboCop show. What? Wow. Yeah, we, we missed it. You know, it could have been the new Friends and it just wasn't. 
It's weird because like RoboCop came out what thirty years before that. Like, why oh did... no, RoboCop was in the eighties. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't remember if it was late seventies or early eighties. But regardless, ninety four. That's still a long time since the original RoboCop came out. Maybe it was after one of the sequels. Um, it was seven years after RoboCop. Did you say okay? Yeah, RoboCop came out in eighty seven. Apparently. Oh, okay, okay. I take uh, that all back. No, no, but still, it's it. I guess, yeah, RoboCop would have still been in the public consciousness, but still a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We do have a cameo from New Line's Bob Shea as the minister in this episode. But most importantly, we have the star of the show, Lori Petty from Tank Girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lori Petty. I, I wanted to, like, bring this up because I was sure it was going to be brought up. I was watching the episode and I was like, this looks... No, this can't be. Could it be? And it was purely because um gave off just immense gay vibes from the very beginning the sophic quality to this episode is strong i know and just her in general too like when she started kissing this boy which we're gonna talk about in a minute Mm -hmm. um i was just like wait what's happening i don't understand (laughs) and and that's because she plays many uh you know queer implied characters and some or like, like the, the the soft butch. Yes, and some spectrum. actually like the most the most recent and popular that people would know is like she was in Orange is the New Black. Um, oh really? I didn't as, know that. Yeah, she was as Lolly, um, and she's she's pretty prominent in season two, and then she's she's just like a cast member in three, four, and five, um, season three, four, and five. But she, uh, you know, I, I think as those seasons went on, the the population of that show just got gayer and gayer. Which, what that implies about uh, queer people being incarcerated, I don't know. But uh, it was just weird because I'm watching her running on this track and also being like, I I don't understand. Like, it's it, it was just so wild to me, to me to be like this person who's like, obviously, um, uh, I don't know, trying to play this character that's like very, very straight, but plays all these characters that are very, you know, queer or queer implied. Um, mm. It was just a really funny, like... Uh, juxtaposition yes juxtaposition exactly no that's really interesting because this show has already done that too because i mean you weren't on this episode but last episode uh john cameron mitchell of hedwig and the angry inch was playing a straight teenager so this is kind of a straight drag show if nothing else and you would know more than more than most people how much uh uh queer there is in, in horror so it's a great great addition for sure Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, Lori Petty also has another nightmare connection because Tank Girl was directed by Rachel Rachel Talalay, who's been involved in the series since the beginning, and she directed Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. So that's... I, I don't know if they... Like, when their working relationship would have started, but I'm sure it didn't hurt her getting into the show. Totally. Gotta love a, a lady director. Way to oh, go. yeah. Always. Especially, like, in any sort of 80s slasher situation it is shocking to come across anything like that absolutely um okay so i was gonna go on a long diversion about this movie i just watched but i shan't because we should cover this episode um okay so as usual i'm gonna kind of go through the plot feel free to interrupt me at any time because i can yammer on okay so Lori petty plays a girl named chris she's on the track team or she you know it's track and field she likes to run she does the thing it's sports she's a sprinter it's like a like a short sprint that's like her thing the something something meter dash yes exactly so 
We do sports. Yeah, we love them. I love. I do. I love all the different kinds. All the sports ball. Yeah. Um, okay. So she's running and running, and she hears this kind of like ghostly echo of her mom saying, "Win for me, Chris," which is kind of fucked up. Um, and then her she does does not win. She is beat by Nikki, who's her rival. Okay, but we, we have to yeah. establish. I'm sorry, but we have to talk about like that opening scene sure. because because the girls first of all they don't like that they're actually going to run they're like just kind of like sitting there talking and the dialogue is awful as such things are um but then they they start to run and it's not explained ahead of time like who this other lady is because her she's like running against this girl nikki and nikki just disappears and is replaced by this like other person who's like that was bizarre it was so bizarre and then and then you hear like win for me but it's unclear if it's like the person she's running next to or nikki or like what is this all meaning and then and then you hear like mom and and it's like uh, is this girl who's like the same age of her but in a different uniform supposed to be her mom is she being possessed by her mom yeah what is happening it was very weird um so yeah but so and and it's also funny because you have to you have to acknowledge that every time you see them running it doesn't look like they're trying like it looks like they're supposed to be looking like they're trying but they just aren't so you see them running like kind of slowly and then and then towards the end you see them run fast and then slow and then slow down to like throw it essentially but it, we're supposed to believe that she just like lost it at the end yeah that's a good point it's like they're already doing the chariots of fire so they don't have to do the after effects right yeah um yeah so she does lose this race the coach cuts her from the team because she quote unquote doesn't need to win enough which is a very white way of approaching things it's like if you need to win you will also the coach can we talk about the coach oh of course the coach is so obsessed with her mom like oh yeah the coach definitely was in a long-term relationship with her mom hundred percent they were um in the historical terms they were close live-in companions Def, I mean, such as for a gym teacher, right? So, um, but like the pep talk, it was weird because this is, again, this is right after the first scene. Like she loses this race and then she automatically gets a pep talk, I say in quotes, from her PE teacher or the mm-hmm. track coach or whatever, which is the worst pep talk of all time, of all time. It's just her being like, you know, your mom was better than you. You suck. Um, you may feel like you miss her but you know what you didn't even know her i knew her i miss her more than you you don't want this enough you're off the team just like out of my heart quakes for her it does not quake for you yes literally (laughs) um yeah it's really bizarre um she blames her she's like i know your mom's dead and you're really upset and like you know you're in your head about running but you're off the team yeah um and yeah it's 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 interesting but again more the kind of sophic nature of this episode you cannot swing a cat without hitting a soft butch somewhere in this episode so true but it's also i feel like it's also like the 80s like the the coiffed hair is like to me would run very gay in modern times but maybe that was just like the style you know i mean it was um it's so weird that you know the the reagan era was so populated by such kind of queer (laughs) fashions and things that just definitely run against the grain of everything that he represented um but in they were created and designed in the name of that it's very strange yeah totally um anyway so 
Freddy shows up for one of his like two second things. He rips through a shower curtain. He gets a title drop line. He was like, oh, she's got to have killer instinct. And I was like, oh, he he knows he's in this episode. That's nice. <laughs> right. And I had never seen any of these episodes before. Cause I, so I thought that this was like, he was just like, um, have you ever seen those shows that are like the Dear Reader shows where it's like in this story we're gonna see da 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 and then you like and then like the narrator cuts out and then you like watch the episode and then it cuts back yeah. to the narrator for like the next story like i felt like oh maybe this is what this is is like we just get to see something play out but freddie's not actually involved he just is like he pops in to like narrate and keep us on track it that is what it is but also he does have an interesting amount of interactivity with the locations and props and kind of general world of the episode that is unusual right i just feel like maybe this this entire series may have benefited from like a um one of those like title screens or not even a title screen but like a description text which is like in this town people who fall asleep get freddy nightmare voodoo uh-huh you know instead it's like i don't know what i'm watching i don't what's the point like is this a parable am i supposed to learn something <laughs> i don't i don't know because yeah uh oh i guess i maybe i should have like prepped you before throwing you into this but also the kind of structure of the episodes where the first half focuses on one character and the second half pulls out a different character to focus on and give a slightly different tinge to the story it's a very curious approach and it it, it leaves you off kilter not necessarily in a way that is intentional, I don't think. Um, but it's definitely got this kind of surreal quality throughout where it's like everything is kind of blending together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I also think that it was good that you didn't tell me because then I get to comment on it. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. Like I, I, I think of myself in this, like in my role as host here, because, you know, I'm going to have different guests all the time. Like I'm kind of the historian kind of trying to, connect the dots between the episodes that you haven't seen um and just get your thoughts and synthesize them into something perfect um yes okay so chris visits her extremely supportive boyfriend david who also has beautiful fluffy hair um she says the immortal line like last year i could have beat her in concrete keds and oh my god so let's see what happened lesbian lesbian coach gives the girl her mom's amulet that's who she gets it from right yeah, because she goes back and is like, I'm ready to win, which is like good for her, uh-huh. I guess. And then at that point, the gym coach is like, okay, here's this thing that I've held on from your mother for this entire time that she's been dead. Oh, yeah. No, and she's I've now decided to give it to you. <laughs> um, also, this coach might be the executor of the wills for this family. We'll, we'll get back to that. <laughs> I also want to point out a, a line that... Um, that the that Chris says that is also great. Like you said, concrete keds, but uh-huh. she also responds with, "And now I'm slower than a bill passing through Congress." Oh yeah, still still accurate. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh man, you no. Know, th- this episode I think brought some of its sharpest humor. I wouldn't say it's good, but it's it's you, it's present and visible as humor. <laughs> but that's what I love about horror is that it has its moments. Like yes, yeah. maybe eighty percent is like camp and bad. But, like, that 20% gets you watching the next episode, you know? Yeah, of, I do know. Because <laughs> so far, I haven't quit. And I was kind of expecting this to be extra punishing. <laughs> um, okay, so she gets a mom's amulet. The coach drops a line about how, like, mom used to stare at this amulet and, you know, envision herself winning the race. And then she would. 
And so, of course, it's like, yeah, it's a magic monkey's paw amulet. Let's let's go. Um, so there's a really creepy cafeteria guy who's flirting brazenly with Chris in the cafeteria line and, like, touches her while he's handing her her sandwich. It's disgusting. Um, he's, course- also, he's also running a meat grinder. And the way in which he's running this meat grinder is, like, very masturbatory. Like, it's just very, like... The entire oh, scene yeah. was really creepy, and it's also like, how do, how are you employed there? She's a child. I don't understand. Yeah. And th- this is the one spot where her boyfriend, David, makes a misstep because he's like, oh, just ignore him. I'm like, shut up, patriarchy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, no kidding. Ugh. Well, anyway, so creepy cafeteria guy gets what he deserves because she stares angrily at the amulet, which is a completely unmotivated move it like she doesn't know it has powers so she's just staring at a necklace in front of this man for about 10 seconds um but her dream comes true his fingers get sliced off while he's using the meat grinder because apparently there's a jersey mics in their school cafeteria and the his fingers fall off and like blood sprays everywhere and the, the fingers like actually fall onto the bread which is a very fun kind of gory gag yes but he doesn't look like he's in pain like when it's like as it's happening which is weird. That is weird. But you know, it's it's magic. Maybe who knows. <laughs> okay, I feel like so I feel like the director is like directing and then there's someone in the background, probably Wes Craven, let's be real, who's like Oh no, Wes Craven had nothing to do with this. It was Bob Shea oh, from okay. New Line. Okay, but whomever was like that you did too well. You got to redo it, make it worse. Make it worse, <laughs> please, you know? That sounds like Bob Shea. Yeah. <laughs> um and then he's like and then put me in it. Right. But so okay. So then we meet, uh, meet David's friend, Jay, who is dating Nikki the Mean Girl. He says he has a mad case of the horns um, because <laughs> because she said that coach won't let the girls have sex in order to, like, you know, be better at sports. And obviously Nikki is lying to him. And Nikki is very transparently in love with David. But I'm like, if a high school coach said anything about the sex lives of their kids, mm-mm, fired. <laughs> Get out of there. That's true. Additionally, he says, look at those glutes. Like that's, <laughs> that's what he says before he says, I'm, I'm, I've got the case of the horns is look at those glutes. Like he was, he's written like Samantha Jones. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I do like that. <laughs> Samantha Jones. I do like that. Um, that David, again, being the moral compass of this episode is like, she's lying to you. Like, that's not the case. I've been having sex with, with, uh, Chris nonstop. Oh Yeah and she's been loving it um okay so basically she gets revenge on a bunch of people she doesn't like including an evil history teacher who makes fun of her for not paying attention in class um he asks a question about like the like the biggest export of the south which is like oh you know already dicey territory to be talking about you know it's history um but he's like it's cotton and he starts to cough up cotton um which is kind of fun and I like the fact that Im- that it implies that she knew the answer because she had to envision this punishment in advance. Oh, yes. I like that. <laughs> so I was like, go nerdy girl. She like tied it in. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, Nikki gets attacked by an evil treadmill, but she's fine. Yeah. Um, but then uh, she runs up to David before the next track meet and she's like, oh, she's also, sorry, she's also been using the amulet to win races and Nikki's really jealous now. Right, and she says that phrase, like, faster than a bullet, or I'm a bullet, I'm a missile, I'm a rocket to the moon. Yes, which is cute. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a good chorus to, like, a 
mean beachy song um but anyway so she loses the amulet she's like oh no and then she starts running and she's actually winning the race but then there's this kind of dream vision of her like running across the ribbon to win the race but she gets decapitated by it and her head goes flying and her body her headless body kind of like slumps to the ground which is incredible this is where i thought it was the parable like i thought that it was going to end there and then it was just going to be freddie being like ambition is useless like mm-hmm. it's whatever um but then it kept going and i was like wait there's more <laughs> what? yeah no there's just let's spend some time with nikki and her rich white girl problems which you know are still problems but maybe you know yeah there's different there's different levels the two things i, I wanted to point out about those two things was um when she's like when she loses the amulet it's like a second she's like i've lost it and then she she kisses david and david's like it's fine just run the race and then she like kisses him and goes to walk away and does like a almost like a finger gun sorty like thing <laughs> after she like kisses him it's like so awkward um, and then she runs the race and she gets decapitated she wins right and she gets decapitated and you see this awesome shot of like the head flying and then just her like walking away and she's obviously like chucked her tucked her chin in so you can only see like her shoulders as she's like walking away which is an amazing shot Um, she just looks like igor yeah but then but then it it like goes forward and she wasn't decapitated at all she just like fell and like broke every bone in her body yeah, so she is dead, but just in a slightly different way than what we saw, which is weird. Like, why did that need to happen? But either way, it was really cool to watch. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So, yeah, we're back in Freddy's, like, in his uh, liminal space. He's just kind of, he has the mo- the amulet necklace, and he's just kind of staring at it. I don't remember. Th- that interstitial was really bad, so I no. just kind of pushed it out of my brain that you shouldn't have because he like has it and then he like i don't know if he's like kissing it or like eating it he like puts it in his mouth and i'm like i don't understand like why you know like what was the motivation there (laughs) well have you ever had a necklace like i definitely used to have a necklace that i used to like chew on oh sure 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 so maybe he's just doing that (laughs) just had that oral fixation for that moment sure yeah um okay so for the second half of the episode we are largely focusing on nikki and her attempts to win back david um not win back but to kind of seduce him out of his grief for his girlfriend who she murdered so weird so we open on a very shitty montage with vhs effects of like all the horrible happenings of the first part of the episode including him shouting chris in slow motion four times in a row chris um and then I think one time in regular motion, she's like, Chris. Oh my God. Um, but then it seems to be like fading into the static of his TV, which is just on and not playing anything while he stares at the ceiling. And I was like, huh, okay. Maybe he's, it, it's an interesting way to try to evoke his like sea of memories, like while this TV is just there, but it didn't work. A static TV is like a classic uh, uh, icon of horror. So that works for me. Yeah, channel channel for the dead. Yes. Um, yeah, so Chris arrives in his bedroom in sexy, smoky silhouette. Um, they have a very explicit ghost sex scene. Um, I wouldn't say it's very realistic. It's a lot of light rocking. But for Fox in the late 80s, hot. <laughs> yeah, who is this for? Is it for children? Is it for... A, I don't know. I really don't. It's wild. Um, but she she demands that he make Nikki pay for what she did to her. Of course. Give him the sex, then give him the ultimatum. 
uh, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes in the 80s. Um, okay, then here comes my favorite thing, which is Bob Shea as the minister giving the eulogy for Chris. And it's like, okay, um, it's like, I'm going to have to explain this reference, but I hope someone out there will get it. He's performing this eulogy like he's Gene Shalit, who's the movie reviewer who loves to make puns. Um, but he's, he's just like, she died doing what she loved best, running. She won the ultimate race to the kingdom of heaven. And it just keeps going. I mean, honestly, if I was a minister, that would be 100% what I would do. And that's why you're not a minister. That's very true, among other things. Um, additionally, oh, additionally, I was really upset because he said that she lost this race, but she won the race to heaven. And I'm like, no, she won this race. That's why she's dead. Like, That's she, a good point. You know? Yeah, she won the race so well that she ran directly into the pearly gates. Right. Okay, so then, yeah, at the gravestone, we see Freddy's head on top of a grave, and he's painted like he's stone. And then he says, it ain't over till the fat lady dies, which just has literally nothing to do with anything. So we're like, all right, thanks. Yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, and then so here's the thing where um, the coach is again the executor of this family's possessions because she lets David, the boyfriend, just empty out Chris's locker. And it's like, does she not have any any legal guardian? Oh my god, but the gym teacher takes the picture of her mom. Weird. Yes, she does. She's like, this is not for you, David. Just gay as shit. Just so gay. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, so um, Nikki approaches him in the locker room, tries to seduce him again. Of course it doesn't work. Um, she has kind of like a dream sequence where he and her boyfriend Jay are doing uh, karate, and he uh, David punches out Jay's intestines. This is the goriest episode by far, and it's it's I'm very happy about it. Yeah, it also came out of nowhere. Like, nothing about that guy, like, you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's on the karate team, you know? True. Again, this might have been an 80s thing, because... The, uh, the Nightmare movie that came out in 88, um, the Dream Master also has a karate boy in it. So maybe mm. New Line was like, this is what the kids are into. Okay, fair. I, I truly don't know. Um, but yeah, so and then she's making out in the car with Jay. And she's like, Jay, don't ever leave me. And instead of immediately exiting the car, he does say like, oh, you know, I'm here for you, whatever. And I'm like, these boyfriends are the most supportive. <laughs> Yeah, he says a really, I can't, I didn't write it down, but he says, says a really great line about, like, it was like a pun or a plan, like, you know, what do you, what do you see? And he was like, I don't know, I can't remember, but it was, it was really cute. Like, it was like, he was saying exactly the right things to get, to get what he wants, but she was not, not having it. Yeah, and it, it it's kind of, uh, oh yeah, because the, he, the, the boys in these uh, spoiler alert, you will be coming on for the next episode as well. The boys in both these episodes do like to comfort women through sex, which is like, all right, but they are, you know, they're <sighs> trying in some sort of earnest way. No, I'm saving that rant for the next episode. Okay. 100%. Well, stay tuned on Friday. Um, but yes, so at this point, Nikki starts seeing visions of Chris, like in this like goopy, gory, dead corpse form. Um, her parents have invited over this kind of like college scout, but she freaks out because she sees Chris in the chair of the college scout, just kind of sipping tea. Um, and the dad says that she must be on drugs. And he says, you jocks always take steroids as if, as if she's a stranger to him. Yeah. And then switches it to hormones. And then, 
uh, says this just ridiculous line, which is like, you know, oh, maybe she needs to sleep it off. You'll see her in the morning. And he was like, she might be our son by the morning. Yeah, thank you, transphobia. I know, like, what is going on? And then I also have this note here, which is just, when is this going to end? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that note's on most of my notes for all these episodes like what where are we going with this i have no idea but i gotta love as much as i love something that's formulaic and predictable this is nowhere near that so at least i was on my toes yeah it definitely leaves you confused if nothing else if nothing Um, else so yeah, Chris appears in this very, again, very sophic lesbianic moment with billowy curtains and mist behind her. Um, and then we just kind of cut to the next morning. So like, hot, all right. Um, she's having breakfast with her parents and her parents are like, we paid for all your running lessons. We paid for you to be a success. How could you treat this scout like this? And she's like, I sweated for those trophies so you would love me. And that was the night the lights went out in Georgia. Um, it's <laughs> It's very, she's trying to win an Emmy. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel for her. I like, you know, you kind of get, get where some of her meanness comes from and her desire to win. It's not just because she's a jerk, because she, but because she feels like, you know, she needs to win in order to, to feel loved by her parents. So I feel for her there. Don't understand why she feels the same way about getting the boys though. Um, I think additionally, like every time we see chris because now she's being like haunted by chris chris yes. chris is getting worse and worse like physically like visually like she just looks mm. like she's like de- like uh decomposing and there's actually a point where i was like oh maybe that's not even the same actress anymore because i felt like it didn't it didn't look like her at all and now that the these shots are completely without her talking they totally could have just put anyone else in there with the all that face makeup on Oh yeah, and the kind of like kind of red clown hair they put her in for the corpse thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then um, Nikki's in the gym, just going absolutely wild on the treadmill, and she's taking um, Chris's mantra. She's like, "I'm a bullet. I'm a missile. I'm a rocket to the moon." And she's saying it faster and faster. And she's like, "Bullet, missile, rocket, bullet, missile, rocket." And she's like, "Classic, bougie, ratchet." Oh my um, gosh. It's it's very. Uh, I don't know. It's got a meter to it that I enjoyed. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's something to note that she has the crystal. And so you like see the crystal hanging from the treadmill and like all this stuff. And she's saying this mantra and it makes me think like, does the mantra come with the crystal? Is the crystal making you say the mantra? Did you just pick that up because Chris died? I don't understand. Yeah. I just didn't question it because I was just enjoying myself. But yeah, it, it's strange um there's a good kind of full circle like oh we're gonna use every part of this uh gag of like where she is chased home by chris and i was like oh good we kind of brought the race element back to it which was fun true um and then she um basically she sees david sneak into her room he's stealing the trophies back because he's like chris earned this trophy and she's like no it's mine i earned these fair and square and she beats david to death with the trophy saying i'm a winner i'm a winner and then it turns out that who she killed was actually her boyfriend jay and she was you know seeing another vision god i didn't even i didn't even get that you know the two white boys look too similar oh yeah Ugh. well i mean she didn't care about him anyway so I think yeah, you know, been, no harm, no foul. I know, it would have been worse off if she'd actually killed the person that she was coveting. That's a very good point, actually. Um, that would have been a more appropriate kind of moral parable tale. But instead, it's just like, 
here's a gag. Like, okay, fine. It just kind of ends. Um, although um, one of the last lines is her dad pounding on the door being like, you don't have a boy in there, do you? And I love that he thinks that her shouting, I'm a winner, is her having sex. Oh, my God. Well, you know, it's what, what he and his wife scream when they're having sex. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I mean, it's very important to them. Yes. Um, okay, so we're back in Freddy's space. Um, he has the trophy now, which he also licks. He just... he's in a very licky mood yeah um yeah what what piaget stage of growth is that where like babies need to taste everything yeah that's uh that's the toddler well it's it's as their their uh sensors are developing did you know that the, the first senses to develop are, are the t- the taste buds within your mouth which is why babies like stick things in their mouths it's to feel them that's so poetic i know um um oh and, and he says even dead jocks can make a comeback and you're like okay um so now's the time shan for final judgments was this episode a dream was it a nightmare or did it put you to sleep great question it was definitely uh, a dream i think coming back to horror um in this way and seeing this reminded me exactly why i love it and also exactly why i hate it so (laughs) it's it's exactly what i would have wanted so it's a dream okay um for me it was also a dream i thought look i i've seen only four episodes of this show but it is twice as many as you have and this is definitely the best one i've seen so far good good um i'm glad i brought you on for this one because i was like okay thank god it's not going to be something totally miserable i'm glad you brought me Um, on too yeah um wow i totally lost my train of thought because i was just excited choo choo um but yeah it has good gore gags it's (laughs) this is going to be shocking to you but it has the most coherent story so far (laughs) oh no um so yeah it was all in all a good time if not like a you know masterpiece of a tv show but that's not what we're looking for here sure totally yeah yeah i'm I'm happy having watched it and uh, I'll have nightmares about it and hopefully Freddie won't be there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, so I'm going to run through the credits and we're going to uh, get a synopsis for you all for uh, the next week's episode. But first of all, Shan, I know you're not, you don't have like a big social media presence anymore for your own like peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But is there anything you would want to point the audience to or just maybe like some sort of, you know, Something cool you'd want them to watch, maybe, if not following you. Sure. I would like the audience to support Brennan and everything he does. He's doing excellent oh. work. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, just convince people that horror isn't scary. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to the Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com, or DM it to me on social media. Um, Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send them a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. on Friday's episode, we'll be covering episode four, uh, Freddy's Tricks and Treats. The logline is, Freddy harasses a young medical student on Halloween night, driving her to the brink of madness and beyond. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we will be rejoined by Shannon then. Uh, but until then, we'll see you soon. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.